Defending others, meddling in a quarrel, which of those is which? You're listening to Return to Gilead. A fan podcast for down Gilead Lane. By two new fans of the show who want to press the button. I'm Ryan Matlock. <laughs> and I'm Michael LeFevre. And today we're reviewing 4-1 Eruptions by Beth Culp, episode 45 on our return to Gilead. I'm gonna say this right now, I think this is one of the best season openers we've had so far. Yes, I agree. Not necessarily because the episode is great, although the episode is pretty good. Uh, Michael kind of gets on my nerves, though. But <laughs> I think that the way this episode handles the continuing mystery of Grace and the characters and the kids' reactions to it, I think is perfect in setting up the rest of the series, especially because, or the rest of the season, because this is the first, the only of the four first four episodes to be written by Beth Culp in this season. She has this one and then hands it off to Leah Gardner and then Sarah Osinski for the next two. Yeah, she has a lot going on in this episode that it kind of kicks off a, a lot. Like one, I think our clip of the day today is about the lemonade thing, right? No, that's the next episode. Oh, okay. Let me re-say that then. <laughs> Especially like right from the beginning, Brooks t- uh, writing in her journal about how like something feels different. There's, there's stuff starting to... G- Uh, go on again, which, you know, we got to break a lot from that in Mm. the last season because it was a lot more focused on the Richters and a lot less on the intrigue from the kids' perspectives. And now we're back into that with this season because it's going to kind of kick up a a lot with um, stuff that starts to happen um, with the kids and uh, investigating. And so we get a very good sort of teaser of that here, which mm-hmm. is great for setting expectations for the season as it gets started. Sure. Now, as far as an episode goes, or as far as the episode structure goes, we don't start off with the normal YTP intro. We actually get a couple flashbacks from Brooke writing in a journal and just a quick intro from Jacob or Zach, whichever version you're listening to. I haven't said the summary yet. Can I go ahead with that? You may. All right. Following the Richter's actions against Grace, Timmy becomes upset and stays with John for a school day. Meanwhile, Haley tries to stick up for Anna Townsend on a trip to a science museum. So those two plots interwoven and the themes kind of juxtaposed in this episode make me very confused as to what the episode is trying to say. Yeah. Okay. So So, run me through that. We've talked quite a bit about what the kids should know what you think that Grace should have shared with them or allowed to be shared with the kids since they asked about it, and the lengths to which the kids are going to try to stick up for Grace. So when I was listening to this episode and we got to the point in the car, which we'll play the clip later because the clip is more focusing on the acting in that scene, but the scene shows that Timmy has been struggling because he is really upset at the Richters, and rightly so, because of their constant railing against Grace. And then he sees Tiffany at school and loses it. And then when he and John have the conversation, John says, it's not your problem. It's not your battle. Grace is doing okay, and she's the one who's the one who's affected by this. She's an adult. She can handle herself is basically what he says. And then he brings up Proverbs 26, 17, which in the NASB says, like one who takes a dog by the ears, so is one who passes by and meddles with strife not belonging to him. To which Timmy replies, mm-hmm. but I love dogs, daddy, which is so cute. But we had that, <laughs> and I was listening to this episode last night, and I thought, okay, well, that's going to be fun to talk about. And then two scenes later, we get Mary, who quotes Proverbs 31.8, Open your mouth for the people who cannot speak, for the rights of all the unfortunate. 
And the episode ends on that scene. It's not like, whoa, 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 we need to contrast these two. No, that's left to us to do. So, I guess. Right? So here we go. Okay, so <laughs> what's the deal here? Which of those, do, do, ah, do both of those verses apply here? And why does it seem like only the first is being applied to grace? Good question. Um, here, I do want to bring out something with the first verse uh, yeah. about the dog ears. Um, if I, if I may, I'm going to read a second translation that, that will like kind of help to explore sort of the, the full meaning of the verse. No, you may not. We're KJV only over here. Oh no. (laughs) You read in ASB. We don't talk about that. Continue. (laughs) This is the NLT. Uh, and this is interfering, interfering in someone else's argument is as foolish as yanking a dog's ears. So the the interesting thing is the use of the word interfering rather than just like meddling. So like when you take those two words, interfering and meddling, and even if you look at the original, like if you take the Greeks, like you look into the Greek word for meddling there. I don't usually. Um, it's all Greek to me. I, I did take a look at that. And the general definition, uh, that word is often used for like, passing by or passing through so you might use it like if the israelites are passing through a nation um on their way to the promised land uh, especially if there's like conflict or something related to that that that's the sort of context for that kind of word yeah 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 nesby um, says passes by and metals right right and so here we've got a very clear picture being painted and it's not that you are in any way related to this argument it's that two people are discussing something amongst each other amongst themselves and you walk by and you're like i have an opinion on this and they're like we don't know you get out of here <laughs> and, it, and that makes sense because that is about as foolish as yanking a dog's ears you have no reason to yank a dog's ears it, it serves no use mm-hmm. um what the dog do to you and so that what? Yeah. What did, what did the dog do to you? <laughs> but here, the second verse, uh, Can you? what was the second verse again? Can you read uh, it real Proverbs quick? 31, 8 in NASB says, open your mouth for the people who cannot speak for the rights of all the unfortunate. Right. And here is a place where there may be a disagreement, there may be a conflict or an argument, but here there is value in opening your mouth because you're not just doing it to lend your opinion to a conversation that doesn't concern you. You're doing it to lend an opinion or lend a voice to those who have no voice. So you're helping those who are unfortunate and unable to obtain justice for themselves. Unfortunately, I feel like neither verse really speaks very well to the grace situation Hmm. because in Grace's situation, she is neither a person who cannot speak for herself nor is she a person who is just like, you're not just passing by. Like the family is uh, very uniquely involved with grace and very close to her. So this isn't Timmy just walking by hearing someone argue about something and saying, I would like to lend my opinion to your argument, even though I have no idea who you are. He knows these people and the Richters continue to rail against grace And it doesn't stop. It doesn't get resolved. And that's why Timmy has a certain spirit, like a certain sense, a sense of agitation or like something's not right here. Sure. Mm -hmm. He's unsettled. Yes. Mm -hmm. Given that context, it seems like Beth Culp is applying the first verse and maybe also the second verse to say, well, you need to use discernment on what is exactly this situation. Are you standing up for somebody who can't defend him or herself or... Are you just meddling 
in a conversation that you have no part in, or maybe both of those. But if it's neither of those, then that's a problem, because does the first verse even apply to the specific scenario we see in this episode? Yeah, and I'm not sure that it does. Like, that's where I, I my disagreement here with uh, Mr. Morrison, sort of how he handles this situation. Sure. He says that it's not Timmy's fight, that this isn't for Timmy to focus on. He also says, can I mention something? Oh, yeah. He says, if Grace isn't upset about it, then you certainly don't have a right to be. Right. Which I I also disagree with because I don't think it's anyone's business to tell you what it is your right to be upset about something or not. Like your your emotion, you're upset. Like Timmy is upset because he sees a, a certain injustice is occurring, and that people are doing bad things, mm-hmm. and he's naturally unsettled by that because it's wrong what they're doing, and it's affecting his friends too. Right, it's affecting his friends, and it's it's affecting him because like I think there is just a general pain in the soul when you see that there's a there's people who are saying things that aren't true, and it's working you know Mm -hmm. but here we see mr morrison saying it's not your fight essentially it's not your business to do this this is grace's thing so you just kind of leave this alone but he uses this verse as an example unfortunately the verse doesn't quite apply because he timmy is not a passerby lending his opinion to an argument he is (laughs) intimately involved in the subject since Grace is his friend. Yes. And also the Richters are generally abusive to the Morrisons and what they say. The immediate context of when Tiffany walks by, she's saying at least one of the Morrisons isn't a scatterbrain. And John, Justin, and Timmy are standing right there. That's almost half the Morrison family. And most of the manpower... Well, Michael's not there, so I guess not. But that's that's a lot of Morrisons right there. A lot of Morrison muscle. And she's going to say that as she's walking by? Seriously? Like they, I mean, I'm not saying they would do anything to her, but like that's, that's kind of not great because John Morrison's a judge. Justin's also at school with her. Timmy's a little guy for her to say to them, at least one of you isn't a scatterbrain. That's weird. So it makes sense for Timmy to lash out or at least for Mr. Morrison to say, now, hey, hey, where did that come from? But maybe he knows, I think he knows where it comes from. So that's just why he doesn't say anything. And Timmy is kind of justified in saying what he said, but also... John is right for correcting him, I think. And yeah, you shouldn't have yeah. called her a, a, a scatterbean, a meanie head. Right. Though it's interesting, like, I think what is wrong here, because like, there's a contrast with this conversation and with Mary's conversation, because Mary says, even though she doesn't condone what the child did, she understands and appreciates why they did it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just as reasonable to say for Timmy because in both situations, the person is sticking up for someone else who is being harmed or being hurt by the opposing party. But then here's an interesting question. John says it's not your fight. Here are my two questions, actually. One, if it were Timmy's fight, would that mean he suddenly is justified in saying things like that? I think it's about more of the the heartache that he has. Not, I think lashing out against Tiffany was a slightly different scenario. Oh, I see. But Timmy's generally feeling upset and saying, I can't believe this is happening. This is making me upset inside for John to say, hey, well, you don't have to feel that way since it's not, it's not your fight. So essentially your feelings are invalid because it's not your fight. (laughs) 
Yeah, kind of, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, which is, like, that's not great. Maybe because, you're right, it did kind of lead him to burst out and lash out at Tiffany. So maybe if it, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't see a good way out here. Yeah, but the, the second question I have is, if it's not Timmy's fight, and thus he shouldn't worry about it or do anything, does John exemplify that when he takes on Tom at the end of the last season? <laughs> no, because he already know. Well, I mean, yes, because he already knows everything. Well, but if he kn- just because he knows doesn't mean it's his fight any yeah. more than it is Timmy's. Well, not necessarily, but Timmy doesn't know. Therefore, Timmy can't get involved. I don't know if that's what the episode's saying. That's the only out I think the episode has as far as that goes. So, like, you're allowed to meddle in other people's affairs as long as you know about them? Maybe, which is why John is keeping Timmy <laughs> from knowing about them, so that way he can't meddle. I don't want you to know, kid. If you have information, you have to use it to meddle in people's affairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a little strange. I like I like John a lot more, and I think that the episode itself would even say something changed because that changed between John and Tom, because Tom's attitude toward Maya being around Grace changed. That was a good thing, and John was fully justified in going to do what he did. I I think I think that's correct. I agree. I wouldn't disagree with that. And it seems like taking the episode into consideration, John, for that, for the duration of that episode, was just watching Maya show up at their house and, and leave and kind of visit. But he didn't really know anything that was going on until Maya said, oh, yeah, my family's getting a lawyer. And, and then John was like, oh, all right, well, now I'm going to go talk to Tom. So here, that's a good point. Is it his battle? Yeah, I would argue it if mm-hmm. if we're taking this philosophy of if someone is engaging or like conflicted with somebody else and they're not arguing with you, then it's not your battle. That's what that's sort of what John is telling Timmy here. Yeah. So if we're to take that logic, which I disagree with, but if we use it in the case with John, then the John has Grace, which was the episode. Yeah, yeah, in the case against Grace. John has no right to go to Tom and talk to him about anything because it's not his battle, right? Mm-hmm. Right, especially with the force that he, he goes and talks to him. Right. That I will not sit by and watch you do this to yourself. That's the line that he has. Right. Which I think that the way that John handled it is great, and it's why I disagree with the sentiment in this episode, because it's arguing that it's not your battle as long as... And as long as you're not the person at odds with somebody, it's it's their battle. You can't say a word about it. You can't even feel anything about it. Hmm. Now, to be fair, I don't think he was directing it at Timmy to say that you're you're wrong for feeling that way. I think it was you don't have to feel that way. And that's Well, he said you don't have a right to feel that way. He does, he does, but I think it's more in the context for Timmy to help him through his pain, not to make him feel bad for feeling bad. I don't I mean th- I don't yes think, it's not yeah. it's not said in a attacking or guilty manner but the words are still said. So yes. like I don't I'm not quite sure what to do with that. Right. I, I think it's it's in there and I I'm reading the line right now and I think in the way Timmy is thinking about it he sees the injustices going on around him from the Richters to Grace from the Richters to everyone else and he thinks because I have a right to be upset about this, I need to do something about it. I don't know what to do, though. I'm just a six-year-old. And then when John steps in and says, if Grace isn't upset about it, then you certainly don't have a right to be. He says, oh, well, that takes the pressure off. I, th- I think that might be what he might be thinking. Uh, this this is, again, me trying to trying to find some semblance of, yeah, this 
this isn't off here, that it still would make sense. Because Timmy does respond positively to it. So Beth Culp is, fra- is sure. framing that part of the episode to be positive. Sure. Like, I think there's maybe a better way to say it. Like, to say, hey, Grace isn't bothered. And so at least on her, like, you don't have to feel like you have to fight on her behalf because she's capable. Like, there would be an angle that would be interesting. Because, like, sort of in contrast to the thing that's shared with Haley, where Haley's, it's like, stick up for the people who can't stick up for themselves. Yeah. Can I summarize that real Um, quick? Just because we haven't really touched on that at all. Yeah. So, in Haley's situation, um, there's a girl being unkind to Anna Townsend. Her name is Jessica. Jessica. Yeah. Jessica? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jessica is being unkind and so and Anna's just taking it like it's it's okay I don't care and Haley's just taking it yeah but she's saying some really terrible things like um, oh here's Miss Know-It-All over here when the teacher specifically calls on her about it about a question or and also whenever Jessica's being mean to Anna and then Haley says Jessica what are you doing Jessica says Haley why are you like what are you talking about give me a break give you a break for picking on somebody else no it this seems (laughs) a a break I want to hurt people (laughs) (laughs) no really it seems that unrealistic but then Mary's conclusion at the end and you want to go for it yeah she says essentially I didn't agree with the way that you went about it but I appreciate that you tried to stick up for Haley and then she shares Anna. the verse about sticking up for those who don't have a voice and uh, supporting and fighting for them, mm-hmm. which is what Haley was trying to do. She just wasn't able to do it in a way that was respectful to the trip and following the rules. Right. Right. Well, I didn't actually mind some of the things that she was saying. I think one thing she says at the end of the scene is go find someone else to hang around with. Yeah. Maybe something a little bit more forceful than that. But it was more of the tone of I'm going to be mean back to you rather than just indignant. And I don't know. It's a, it's a fine contrast, but I think you could argue that Haley was being a little bit too callous toward Jessica or too unloving. Yeah. It's sort of when you do it, you're supposed to do it in love and in an effort to try to make the person or try to push the person to do what's right but not by doing what's wrong yourself, which I think that's sort of what Haley started to dip into and what her mom talked to her about. Ideally, when you handle people in that sort of way, like in real life, I would say it generally comes as a matter-of-fact response. Sort of like Mrs. Donner in later episodes, there's just like a few scenes with her, but she's able to talk to, like, I, I don't remember if it's Mrs. Kopeck or Mrs. Richter, but basically she sticks up for the employees at the baby at the baby she sticks up for the employees at the bed and breakfast in such a way that it's not hey i'm going to be angry at you it's just matter of fact hey these people are doing what they should be doing and we won't stand for your abuse is that is that simple and i think that's what would be valid here would be for Haley to say look jesse look jessica it's wrong for you to say these mean things to anna and I won't stand for it. So I'm going to use my autonomy as a human being to choose who I hang out with. We're going to go hang out over here. You can hang out with us when you want to be kind again and apologize to her. And it's that simple. Yeah. And I assume that Jessica, because she values Haley's friendship, would have the same, I guess, response to that as the way Haley actually acted in this episode. Yes. Because she ends up apologizing to Anna for being a complete and total jerk and very irrational about the way she was going about it. 
But I think she would have also responded that same way because it, it didn't really make sense the way that she was acting. The way Mary explained it seemed like that because Anna was kind of shy or because Jessica didn't really know Anna that well. That's why she was acting that way. So seeing, seeing Haley defend Anna either way would have resulted in that. But fortunately, at least as far as the episode played out, it worked that even through Haley's anger, Jessica was able to move on. Right. Right. I think this episode overall, like between the two stories, the overall theme is how to handle people who are doing bad things to other people when you're angry. Mm -hmm. And we see both examples like with Timmy and Haley. That's sort of how that goes. It's just kind of weird the the way the verses are handled (laughs) just a little bit. And especially because they're not really qualified when they're both given, because now we have two verses that seemingly contradict and the episode doesn't explain what to do with them. Yeah. How about we pivot and talk about a couple other little things here because we're kind of short Michael. What? You good? What? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I thought you were saying Michael. We forgot something. No, no. (laughs) Sorry, I'll say it again. (laughs) Like Michael. Yeah, not me. Other Michael. Morrison. The the other Michael Morrison, not you. (laughs) Right. Well, before we get there, I want to play the clip of the day before it gets too far. How about we talk about this? Sure. This clip is a good example of why I think this is a great season opener. Listen to the music in the background here. I'm glad you're sorry, son, but I want to know what happened. We do not treat people that way. I know, but they do. But who does? Oh, the Richters? Yeah. Daddy? What, son? I think I want to talk now. Uh, I mean, about what we said this morning, about, about why you don't feel good? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right here. I think it's it. What, your heart? Uh-huh. Timmy. A good season opener will provide a good overview of what the season's going to be about, the themes, and we talked about that. But it'll also set a tone for the energy of the season. We kind of got that with Pride Comes Before the Fall Festival, and we got that with Power Play. We get it again here with this music, which has been so diverse through the whole episode. There are plenty of yes. times, or plenty of scene transitions where the music is on point and the energy is super high. So, and, and we see a ton of characters here. We see the Morrisons, we see the Richters, uh, some people from school. We get uh, a dual plot line, a theme that even though we may disagree with it, I still think was presented solidly as far as that goes. We can disagree on that maybe. But from the scene with the Richters where they're talking about having Maya back at First Church and there is the conversation between Tom and Monica and Tiffany where there's the same thing where Tiffany's being cut off and not now, Tiffany. Or <laughs> not now, Tiffany. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's calling out her dad for saying, just seems like you can't make up your mind on anything. And he cuts her off again. And then the scene ends where they agree that Maya's going to be at First Church. And Tiffany says, does she have to sit in the same pew with us? Make up your mind. Do you want her there or not? Ouch. <laughs> but in that scene with Timmy and John Morrison, the music specifically sounds like music for a much more intense emotional scene. And even though, this again, this is Beth Culp's writing, it, it's a small issue that none of the other characters see except John in that moment and some of the other Morrisons by seeing that Timmy kind of looked a little bit sick. It's a smaller issue that's given a lot of dramatic tension because it's probably the way that the audience feels. And that's a great way, I think, to start off the season by being very relatable in the way the characters act in the episode. Yeah, and the char- we get to see the characters starting out the season feeling this way specifically Timmy Mm -hmm. but I feel like Timmy is kind of a metaphor for how a lot of 
the kids kind of feel. Well, we get that intro with Brooke where she says, we're going to find out what it is. And then we don't really hear from Brooke for the rest of the episode. Right. But it's like all the kids are invested in this to some degree. And we see the extreme version of that in Timmy because he's so young and doesn't know how to process these motions as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so like the best he can describe is like, I feel like my heart is sick, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that, which is a great description. Like, I love Timmy here. He's written really well and like you really feel for him. But also it's great. I agree that it's very great as an opener for the season as well as the episode to just have this for the season to have this to this at the start saying here's how all the characters kind of feel going into this season which directly addresses a lot of those feelings mm-hmm. yeah so props to beth culp for again bringing all of these elements in here and hinting giving a lot of hints about hey there's something significant about the fact that tom richter senior funded renovations around coleraine in 1970 that's all stuff that's being laid out as hints for the audience and combine that with the emotions and the characters yeah, again, I think it's a great opener. Mm-hmm. But last thing, I guess, in our discussion here, you want to talk about Michael? Yes. What is he I doing? Do. Like, so the, I first, don't know. the first thing we see of him is him eating Justin's lunch. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, like, Michael here needs to have, I think they need to take Michael out to sea and then <laughs> let him accidentally lose one of Mr. Keyes' fishing lures. <laughs> So that he'll learn a lesson about responsibility. (laughs) Right. But also the stakes aren't very high. And also I have a thing about, I I worked with kids a lot. As an adult and as somebody who takes care of kids, you need to know what rules are you actually going to set and stick by because you can try to micromanage a kid. And depending on the intensity of that rule, the kid's going to break it. Like don't move your arm any amount to the right. He's going to move his arm to the right at some point. So that's sure. Uh, and then what are you going to do about it? Right. Uh, whereas another one is don't say the word um. That that's helpful when you're trying to train your kid to, not to say something, not to say it, and like to speak properly. But your kid's going to say it, so you have to be prepared for that. But something that makes sense is just don't hit your brother or sister. We talked about that in the special uh, two episodes ago. Don't yeah. don't hurt other people because that's something that it's not necessarily a natural inclination for somebody who's trained who's raised in a good loving environment and so for michael telling him not to push a button sure he can listen to it and sure he didn't pay attention but one why would you make a rule about not pushing the buttons and they don't really follow up on it which i appreciate but also what is going on at this museum that this (laughs) this guy mr zettel i think is his name says don't push these buttons and when he put when Michael pushes one, it causes one of the volcanoes to erupt and explode in a way that was not intended. If you have people who can just do that, if I had somebody who could just go to one of my websites and push a button and cause the website to crash, and I said, don't push this button, that's not, no, what? Why? Why, did you, the, why were they even you insta- what here? <laughs> are you installing applesauce on your new website, Michael? DGLWiki.com. Anyway, no. So <laughs> all that to say, I'm very confused as to, yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. It's really funny. But I think that the museum needs to hire a better what systems engineer. manager yes <laughs> yeah. they need to hire me yeah like 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 what 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 system is like okay uh yeah i'm almost finished with the volcano i managed to rig up the button that triggers it beautifully 
but I haven't actually finished the inner mechanisms for the volcano. <laughs> you, you you made the button first? So yeah, yeah, you can bring kids in here, have anyone come in, but we're going to leave the button able to be pressed by anyone. Just tell them not to press it, because if you do, we have to rebuild this whole thing from scratch. Don't you think that's a bit inefficient? Nah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> sure. I, I guess these small town engineers or something. <laughs> How about we close on that? Works for me. And that is officially the end of the beginning of season four. Hey, you like what I did there? The end of the beginning? <laughs> Are you going to say the beginning of the end when we get to the end? I guess so. No. Well, I'll say that when we get to Sunrise Upset, which is not the beginning of the end. Or the end of the beginning. Neither is this one. I'm so confused. So am I. Anyway, <laughs> how can people get to know what we're up to, Michael? I'm so glad you asked. And I'm going to go ahead and just announce it right here. I have been working on the DGL wiki at wiki.returntogilead.com. It's in a very, very early stage of development and stuff isn't ready yet, but I'm sure I will have announced it probably at least a month earlier than this podcast is actually going to be released. So if you would like to check it out and go and contribute, you can check it out at wiki.returntogilead.com. There's not going to be a link in the link tree yet, but if you want to go look for links in the link tree or on anchor.fm, you can go to anchor.fm slash return to Gilead and find all the links you would ever need to hear more of return to Gilead and all the special stuff we have to offer. Cool. Yeah, I think that's it, right? Oh, also leave a voice message, please. <laughs> yes. Next time, we're going to be listening to episode 46 of Down Gilead Lane, which will be Raining Cats and Clues by Leah Gardner. Ooh, I have a lot to say about that one. It's also Leah Gardner's Ooh. last episode. What? Yes. Really? Yep. So looking forward to that. Until next time, I'm Michael. I'm Ryan. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you next time as we once again return to Gilead. <laughs>